Mike one, Mike one, isn't this a lot of fun? Two, 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 two. Uh, welcome to Did You America? I'm Camfield. He's Jeremy. This is episode uh, Infinity. Yeah. Uh, if you want to catch up with the other episodes that came before Infinity, DidYouAmerica.com is where to go. It's where you can also communicate with the show if you want to leave us a message, um, written or using your lovely voice and T-shirts. Get your T-shirts. I, I keep I keep being told by a New York producer, promote the T-shirt. So I'm doing it at the top of today's episode. Lovely America T-shirts. They say the word America in the brightest red, white, and blue you've ever seen. We paid extra to have uh, tags in the T-shirts that say uh, Canfield, America, F yeah. And the quality is just beautiful. Uh, so uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can get your Did You America T-shirt from the website, Did You America. You know what Tom Cruise wants to support? The entire movie industry on a global basis. And if Mission Impossible 117 doesn't get made, the entire movie industry is screwed. That is what we know from Tom Cruise's on-set rant from the set of Mission Impossible in uh, London. I didn't know that they'd made so many. I, I think I watched the first Mission Impossible and thought, oh, it's pretty good. And then I don't think I've seen any um, in between. Yeah, I think I only got about three deep, I'd say. This Mission Impossible 7. Now, I wonder, to me now, these Mission Impossible movies are becoming like iPhones. I've, I've totally lost track. <laughs> but I'm also wondering if they skipped numbers. You know, like with iPhones, because they put in the S, and sometimes, uh, yeah, didn't they go yeah. from a 5 to a 7? I'm not sure. There are Mission Impossibles like the streets of Manhattan, where suddenly they throw in a Broadway, and then it goes from sort of 7th to 9th Ave. You think you can keep track if you can count up to 10, but it's way more complicated <laughs> than that. Yeah, Tom Cruise is basically like, yeah, Mission Impossible 12, they'll never know the difference. Right, well, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, so I'm sure, the, the thing I found most shocking about this story was the fact that this is Mission Impossible seven i'm not so shocked about the fact that um tom cruise uh, apparently is a little full of himself and shouty and maybe treats people who are lower uh down the uh the rungs of employment um a bit crappy to yeah. be honest i mean i will say this um the people that are coming out in uh, to support Tom Cruise are supporting his safety checks in these COVID times. And um, back when I had a job, do you remember those days? When? Oh, there was a time I had a show on the airwaves of DFW. No kidding. People used to call in. And uh, this was during the pandemic. And at one point, I made, I made a stance to the people of Texas that um, we needed to get businesses back open. And I said, we need to do it in a safer way as possible and wear a mask and distance. And if your business involves loads and loads of people, obviously you can't have that business for the time being, but we shouldn't all stay at home because the economy is going to do more long-term damage if if it plays out that way. Wait, and, I, what? and you were able to do that without screaming in the faces of your fellow people? Yes. That's I, crazy. I had a microphone. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, like, it essentially is, like, if he had a megaphone in the people's faces. Well, my point being is that I was very pro, you know, trying to do business and behaving as normal as possible while taking precautions. And a few people called in and were crying because they had uh, grandmas that were going to die if this happened. And I had to go, I'm very sorry about your grandma. But they probably killed her. <laughs> but um, so the idea of Tom Cruise... Um, putting all these safety measures in place and uh, making Mission Impossible 117 uh, go ahead and giving people jobs and stuff like that, fine. Uh, and if people weren't social distancing and they weren't wearing masks and stuff like that and then taking them to task, fine. But taking them to task in a Christian Bale onset <laughs> meltdown times 10, maybe not so fine. I just think like every time we get to see Tom Cruise as a real person, not like what Scientology wants you to believe he is, they uh, it's always him being crazy. Like we have this outburst. Remember the Oprah, Oprah on the like, sofa jumping, jumping on the up sofa and down. incident? Like that was the last time. That was the first time everyone was like, oh, no, Tom Cruise is nuts. And right. Then, you know, now we've gotten to this point, just kind of the, the eventual growth of Tom Cruise. The thing that struck me about the recording was that he goes on for about two minutes, right? <laughs> and, at, and at no point does anyone who's being yelled at argue back. And that also suggests the reaction 
from the crew members was, oh God, he's going off on one again. Because I think <laughs> this is the big the big story here. Keeping everything under control and maybe he's got money invested in the movie. I think it's a bit of a stretch for him to say that if Mission Impossible 7 doesn't get finished, then no other movie will ever, 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 ever be made again. I don't, I don't think that we're going to be living in a world where there are only Hallmark Christmas movies from this point onwards if Mission, <laughs> 7, Mission Impossible 7 gets gets shut down again. You, you know? don't know that. Well, I <laughs> I think I think that's a that's a bit of a stretch. I, you know, I just think like there's no difference between this and like do you remember like the Bagel Boss guy, mm-hmm. the little short guy freaking out? Is essentially Tom Cruise. You know, he's just not as charismatic and in movies. It's but, a little person thing. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, they're just like, oh my god, angry little guy just having Napoleon complex again. Just let him. He'll he'll run out of steam eventually. <laughs> But the thing I think is that it's not surprising that Tom Cruise is like this. As you said, um, it's probably just being covered up by Scientology. So at this this point, does Tom Cruise get Ellen'd? Ooh. You know, because I was making that, uh, writing that in my notes today, just at the same time I read a story appear that says the headline was something like, Ellen tells of extraordinary back pain due to COVID. I'm not even convinced that she had COVID. I think that's just a, it's a sympathy <laughs> vote because she, she needs to get people back on side. Yeah, and that's she, her publicist. And, and just as, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the story here about Tom Cruise being an a-hole to the people on set, Ellen's going... For God's sake, I just put out a press release saying I had COVID to get people sympathy and now you're taking all the attention away from my COVID because you're treating your staff like I treated mine, but I'm trying to get the attention to show that I'm suffering here. Put out a statement saying I've got excruciating back pain. See, I think it's the other way around. I think Hollywood is finally done with Ellen. And so she puts out a press release like, oh, woe is me. I have COVID. Feel sorry for me, my back. And Hollywood's like, oh, yeah, we're going to hit you with Tom Cruise. So no one pays attention to that. And everyone still hates you. Maybe. Well, maybe that was it. Is she in Scientology? Maybe she should sign up. I don't know. I remember seeing a few memes online from some conspiracy theorists that like maybe she was involved in the Epstein case. They, I saw. <laughs> I saw. I saw a meme that it was like the the island castle or whatever that he had is like the same as the background of Ellen set. It's not, but like I'm I'm all aboard that conspiracy. I also thought it was funny that um with the making of the Mission Impossible movie, and again, Tom Cruise putting all of these safety precautions in place, I back that for the sake of giving people jobs. And, uh, you know, putting money into uh, any industry. But the people that are on set, that the actual actors, they get to get together and not wear masks and everything because they're making the Mission Impossible movie. That must wind the crew up tenfold. If you're working there, you're not earning anywhere near the amount of money. You're having to make sure that you keep six feet apart from people because otherwise the five foot nothing midget goes nuts, <laughs> right? And you're having to wear a mask all day long and have all of these COVID precautions. Meanwhile, every time he wants to be Ethan Hawke or whatever his, his character's name is, he can throw off the mask, go up to people and behave like it's normal. <laughs> maybe maybe he's like, the set is just really clicky and like no one was involved Involving him and hit in their maskless like circles and he just freaked out and was like no one's involving me he basically took his ball and went home you know <laughs> it's like if no one's gonna wear a mask i'm out of here the movie shut down what what jeremy's conclusion of this is is the headline should have been tom cruise has short person syndrome right <laughs> it's a, the, the covid thing the mask thing all of that is irrelevant even you can put aside the idea about scientology you're basically saying he was just a short ass getting very very angry yeah i the best part about this is is like forever the mission impossible movies were like the avenue for tom cruise to be like hey look i do my own stunts look at how crazy i am i'm on this plane while it takes off and now it'll forever be known as remember that time tom cruise freaked out on everyone right that's that's the new legacy do we believe that he does all the stunts and flies the planes that's a scientology thing as well for sure it's propaganda yeah 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 no that's true that has taken all the attention away from uh from his uh so-called 
old uh, stunt-like behavior. Uh, have you had any bosses that have gone nuts at any point? Have you ever had a? Have you ever, ever had a job? I don't know. Like, what, like. <laughs> I uh, after seven years of college, I, I kind of avoided going to to work for a while, so I haven't had too many bad boss experiences. Radio, because uh, I used to have a radio career, is has been notoriously full of uh, people that are a little bit crazy and and go absolutely nuts. I used to have a uh, a boss who um her office was down the other end of the corridor to the studio that we used to broadcast in right and the station was in i think it was a 10 second delay so you do a break and then it would air 10 seconds later right and uh everyone who works on the station the jocks were so terrified of this boss that we timed that it took her 25 seconds to power walk from her office into the studio if she heard something that she hated. So you do a talk break on air, and if maybe while you were doing it, you were thinking, God, this isn't going very well, but I'm too far into it now. I've got to get out of it. And then you'd, you'd finish the break, and you'd close the microphone with a feeling of remorse, and you'd count 25 seconds plus the 10-second delay because she'd be getting it in her office in, de- <laughs> right. in delay, right? And basically, so 35 seconds, if you got to 40 seconds and she wasn't in the studio yelling at you, then it was a total relief. But there was one time, and I can't even remember what the break was. Um, I did a talk break on air, and I thought it was fine. I wasn't counting the seconds, you know. Uh, and suddenly the door flung open of the studio, and she, she, like, just this power walk over to the desk, glares at me over the other side of the desk, right? And she goes, okay. I hated that last talk break. And I just go, oh, no. And she goes, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this, and this, and this. At the time, we had a rule that you could only speak for 25 seconds. So she's already spent more than 25 seconds telling me what was wrong with the 25 seconds I did on air, right? But then she goes, and this was the bit that I still loved her because this this was the conclusion of it. And she goes... Ian, this shit might be fine in London, but you're in New York now. This is Market One, and it does not fly here. And then stormed out. America. Fuck yeah! (laughs) Get her a (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. She seriously was um, uh, possibly my favorite boss ever because she was so intense, and I only worked for her for a very short period of time, but we used to go through a tape of the show after uh, every particular show um, about what she liked and disliked. And um, we had this rule at the time that you could only speak for 25 seconds at a time. And the way that she would deconstruct what you said in 25 seconds, although it sounds ridiculous, makes me a, a, it made me a much better broadcaster because you just formulate the way that you do things in your head um, way, way, way better. Um, so although Tom Cruise going nuts for two minutes is probably uncalled for, a lot of other people were like, oh my God, that boss is terrible. Like the boss I had in New York, that's crazy. But actually, no, she's right. If you're in New York, you should be able to take that amount of pressure. And if you can't deal with the fact that after you did a talk break that wasn't very good, that 35 seconds later, you could have her going fucking crazy at you. <laughs> and, and you and you were so scared that you counted down those 35 seconds. You shouldn't be in New York because you're too fucking week there you go so just like she you know while the experience might have not have been the best boss experience at the time you know you learned something from it and grew from it you're saying that like those people who tom cruise yelled at are now gonna walk away being like hey i know how to wear a mask now this is pretty cool (laughs) exactly (laughs) there's another story i got from uh someone uh this wasn't my personal story but someone that i work with who uh, worked for uh, a a boss in a media company and uh, she was notorious for um going a bit crazy and one time she stormed into a meeting room and got in front of a bunch of people to uh, berate them about something that happened that she didn't like. This was in a newspaper company. And she was so angry, she came in, threw a few things around the room from the table, shouted at people, and then stormed out. And she slammed the office door closed so um, abruptly, so strongly, that the door, the handle of the door fell off. And they had to call. Wow. They had to call a maintenance man to come and let them out of the room. 
Oh, that's a good public freak out. See, that's probably my one regret about how like I've just done absolutely nothing with my life and like won't ever be in a position where I'm a leader like that. I'm great at public freakouts. Like I'd be so good at firing people mm. and just like throwing stuff around and like really putting the fear into someone, but nah. Instead, I'm just here talking to you. Yeah, and I've got no job. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm dying for someone to like. I'm dying for someone to effectively lock me in a room because they were in such a rage at what I did on the radio that they slammed the door so hard that the handle of the door falls off, and then the maintenance man has to come, and then and then the big boss comes back, and rather than saying that they overreacted and they're sorry, they go, "No, it was part of my plan. I wanted to give you time in that room to think about what you did." <laughs> Don't worry, man. I'll start being way more critical of you and yelling at you if Tom Cruise is listening I'm, I'm available for work like I'm, <laughs> maybe I quite like being shouted at he's gonna be like you guys are not six feet apart where are your masks he's gonna give me a role in Mission Impossible 117 but I, and I can only speak for 25 seconds because that's what I was trained for right <laughs> for some reason this guy's gonna introduce a song in Mission Impossible 117 we'll make it work what do we think about uh, Scott Stapp Playing Sinatra in a Ronald Reagan biopic. I think it's the high, it's the headline of the year. Yeah, it also is um, kind of taking the attention away from the actual subject because it is the fact that there's going to be a biopic on Ronald Reagan. Suddenly, no one's interested in that. The two questions. Well, my first question would have been if someone else was cast as Sinatra. Oh, what kind of relationship did Sinatra and Reagan have? Right, yeah, that was the most confusing part. Like, why is Sinatra even in a Reagan biopic? But then it goes to a whole other level of how on earth is the is he the singer or the ex-singer? I don't know what the status of Creed is, but how is the guy from Creed who's known <laughs> as their singer? I think he is Creed. Right. How is he playing Frank Sinatra? What dirt does Scott Stapp have on a producer or someone who's high up in the making of this movie to actually get him cast? Because it seems like the most unlikely casting ever to me. When did he switch from uh, singing 90s rocker style to being an actor in the first place? I don't think I've ever seen him in any movies or television or anything. Like, now they're just going to throw him into being Frank Sinatra, one of the most iconic memorable singers of all time he was listening to this podcast and he said uh, hey there's this podcast called did you america and there's this british guy that occasionally goes off on tangents about the a-team did you know <laughs> that uh, rick james and boy george were both in the a-team there ain't no a-team around anymore for me to be cast in the same light i think i should have a role in that ronald reagan movie that you're making <laughs> and, and the guy and the guy who's making the ronald reagan movie goes are you out of your mind? And then Scott Stapp goes, you know, I've got those videos. <laughs> it's the only logical next step for his career. <laughs> he did. I, well, the funny thing was, so I was reading this and then it made me go onto my iTunes account and uh, stream some Creed because I, I wanted to. Can you take me higher? But here's the thing that I'd forgotten because, yes, that is what you think of when you think That's of the Creed. That's the only song. Well, no, but it's not because iTunes educated me otherwise. And Creed actually when they started out used to rock out I have no idea what the song was but I was clicking on them on what was streaming and they've got all of that can you take me higher arms wide open that was another Creed song or is with that, arms wide open is that the same song I, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the exact same song I don't know if, it, if that actually is the same song <laughs> it must be I, I don't even know <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I, but I go. If you go at like to the third song, maybe slow a little further down. The, the, they the, only have the one song. They're all the same song. No, they've got one song that says, "Can you take me higher with arms wide open?" Right. But then, but then, but then, if you've got the, if you pay for iTunes and you could get their second song, um, th th I got this song where they're actually really rocking out. I was kind of like, oh, I'm almost lightly banging my head to Creed. And, and, and it made me think that they're in the same mold as Goo Goo Dolls, which we've discussed on this podcast before, and also Nickelback, whereby 
they did start off as quite a hard rocking band and then managed to write a song that soccer moms liked so it sold a lot <laughs> and then they just moved firmly into soccer mom territory right like creed definitely opened the door for everyone to hate nickelback you know like if it wasn't for creed nickelback probably wouldn't be the most hated band in the world right but i do wonder um because i've always thought that you know nickelback can still quite easily sell out arenas around the world there's like a secret club of nickelback fans because no one ever 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 admits to liking them but when there were shows they would tour regularly and they'd always be in arenas sometimes doing multiple nights at arenas it's almost like nickelback fans meet up somewhere on the dark web and they've got their own little <laughs> private club going and they all and they all agree well when, when have you ever met anyone who admits to being a nickelback fan never but go to one of their gigs always in an arena and it will be sold out so so they exist and i don't know if it's the same for Creed, and this could be the start of the, the, the Creed comeback with Scott Stapp um, playing Sinatra, because suddenly he goes, hey, suddenly I've got a second song. I've got, we're arms wide open, but I can also go, come fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. It's basically the same song. Right. So, uh, and I'm wondering if you could do like a big tour of those three bands, because this could be the stimulus package that the music industry needs. The music industry is, is absolutely screwed, because even though we're getting a vaccine and things are getting back to normal it's still going to be some time before we can have big 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 events wouldn't it be really ironic if suddenly you put together a stadium tour and it was nickelback creed and the goo goo dolls all of these bands that no one admits to liking but somehow they still sell out whenever they played all of these bands that started off as rock bands but then wrote a soccer mom anthem and then kind of just stuck to that kind of like format right and then and then all of these people that exist on the dark web i reckon if you people listening to this uh, this podcast right now are starting and whatever the equivalent of reddit is on the dark web they've started a new reddit on their dark web and it's uh are you going to the uh the creed Nickelback, Goo Dolls, Stadium 2021, Save the Music Business Tour. Imagine that. <laughs> Scott Stapp, Chad Kroger, and what's the Goo Goo John Resnick is sure. the Goo Goo Dolls, whoever, right? Those three single handedly save the music business. It's at least a Hulu show. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying is the. Uh underground reddit which i believe is 4chan is no longer going to be about pictures of like dicks and instead it's going to be like where nickelback fans congregate i didn't know there was pictures of dicks there you're telling me something like that is there i'll send you send some me a link yeah okay yeah 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 Yeah. so basically it's going to be like a bunch of penises and then suddenly scott Stapp. right <laughs> which is you know where he belongs this is also a funny thing uh, while i was reading this it also came to my attention today on the subject of uh, frank sinatra sinatra the first person who was offered the role of John McClane in Die Hard. Did you know that? What? <laughs> what how? Well Why? I did the math. On, I did the math on this. And at the time Die Hard was made, the first one, Frank Sinatra was already 70 years of age. <laughs> so imagine a 70-year-old Frank Sinatra in a vest climbing through the the air vents of the Nakatomi Plaza. <laughs> that sounds I, like your favorite movie ever. Might I say, never say never again version of Die Hard. <laughs> I knew that would set you off. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you need in your life. Because, you know, John McClane shouldn't be young and agile. John McClane should be someone you question, how is he doing this? <laughs> <laughs> That old man is going to get stuck in that van. Frank Sinatra at 70 probably would have struggled to have taken off the shirt to reveal the, right. the, 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 the vest underneath with his arthritis and everything that's like kicking in. Um, and imagine like it would, they could have just turned it, it could have been like a musical as he's, as he's going through the vents and things are suddenly going wrong. He's just starting to sing Frank Sinatra songs. As you know, yippee Kaye does kind of sound like an old school crooner term. So I could maybe see that working, but other than that, no, it doesn't work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just standing there and going, yippee ki motherfucker. Frank Sinatra could have probably pulled that bit off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the I'd rest of that. it, I don't know um, if that would have been the case. Was he, I mean, like, I understand, like, he was in movies, but, like, he was never, like, the leading man action star, I don't believe, was he? No, I mean, he was in movies. I don't think, maybe, 
about 20 or 30 years before Die Hard. It, apparently, he had some contractual thing with the movie company because he'd made other movies in the past that he was the first person. He had to be given first refusal of the Die Hard role. <laughs> I, I mean, I, this this is probably more evidence that Sinatra was in league with the mob. I was I mean, just can, about to say, you, that's a mob deal can for you, sure. Can you imagine that the mob have got so much power in Hollywood that Frank Sinatra, as a 70-year-old man, had to be the first person to seriously be offered the role of John McClane. I mean, that's literally right out of The Godfather. <laughs> Brando literally offers... Uh, what's, what's the... The guy who's playing like a singer and he says like, oh, I'm going to get you this role in Hollywood. And then right. he puts the horse's head in the producer's bed. Th- that's how Frank Sinatra almost became John McClane. If they put a horse's head in front of someone and Frank Sinatra was almost in the ventilation system of the Nakatomi Plaza. So what did what did Bruce Willis do to Frank Sinatra to make him back down? No, it's better than that. Bruce Willis was... the. The, the the seventh person I think so Frank Frank Sinatra this is how ridiculous it was Frank so his first Die Hard was eighty eight right okay so Frank Sinatra is seventy and he's asked first after Sinatra said are you fucking kidding I can't bend over and get in an air vent <laughs> they then went to uh, Stallone and Schwarzenegger who again in nineteen eighty eight would have been in you know match fit shape to do that I think Richard Gere got offered it and a bunch of other people and then. It went to Bruce Willis because, as we said on this podcast before, he was sort of famous for being in this camp 80s TV show called Moonlighting. Uh, No one who watched that could have envisaged that he could have been in an action drama that that Die Hard became. You take the guy who's in Moonlighting, if you look up that show on YouTube... The idea that that character would have been John McClane is only slightly more ridiculous than the 70-year-old Frank Sinatra. I think probably when everyone else like uh, Clint Eastwood and Stallone turned it down and they went to to Bruce Willis and uh, people went, the guy from Moonlighting, the producers went, hey... We seriously offered this to Sinatra two weeks ago. <laughs> They're like, hey, listen, pal, it's the 80s. Our most popular movie is about some kid going back in time and trying not to have sex with his mother. We'll put anything on the big screen. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we got some uh, podcast news coming up. Not that I want to promote other people's podcasts, but um, Harry and Meghan from the very dysfunctional royal family have uh, just signed a new deal with Spotify. I have some thoughts on that. It's also a ridiculous podcast from the Scorpions, which is, this is actually being turned into a Hulu TV show. Um, and there's some uh, Christmassy stuff on the way as well. Um, I've been sent some Christmas gifts from friends of mine who are well aware that I'm a non-drinker. Uh, both of these gifts are kind of giving me the urge to drink. Uh, so we'll get to that in part two. Also, an update on Song of the Week coming. Uh, don't forget, you can vote for that. You can communicate with us. You can buy a t-shirt at didyouamerica.com. All right, let's do part two of Did You America? Song of the Week is online. If you want to vote via the website, it's didyouamerica.com slash song. If you want to go to my Twitter, you can cast a vote there. I'm at Ian Camfield on Twitter. Uh, this week, the choices. New York producer has gone with Cherry Blossoms, Slender Bodies, currently 4% of the vote. Uh, Jeremy has gone with The Divine by Avalanches, who only release new music about once every two decades, hence the fact on this song they needed help from MGMT and Johnny Marr to get the song together. Correct. Uh, 18% of the vote. Hey, not last. Uh, And uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. The version by Bastille, 78% of the vote. Um, Now, that that is a song that everyone in the UK is probably fed up with because the original version by Slade gets played nonstop at this time of the year. But as I mentioned on the previous episode, uh, no one knows the Slade song in uh, the States. It's one of these songs that just never gets played on the Christmas radio station. So maybe you will like the song because I feel it's a great Christmas song if you haven't heard it 10 times a day throughout all of December. I actually wasn't aware that there were Christmas songs that were like popular in the UK and not here. Like I've now learned this one. And there's also the one that Bon Jovi just redid that everyone hates. What's that? It's, I think it's called A Fairy Tale for New York. Or oh, something. Fairy Tale in New York. Right, yeah, that was yeah, by the Pokes. I've never heard Kirsty of that McCall. song ever. Ever. There was also I'm one. Also a Jew, but. Uh, uh, right? Uh, there was also one. Um, there's an artist in the UK called Cliff Richard, who's in his 80s now. He's been going since the 50s, um, and he's got a song called Mistlet- "Mistletoe and Wine." And um, I, I was watching Jimmy Fallon last night. Do you, do you know who Graham Norton is? Yeah. Okay, because he's on BBC America. Yeah, here, yeah. Right? So Graham Norton was on Jimmy Fallon. Uh, Graham Norton's a UK chat show host. 
promoting his UK chat show, which is on BBC America. Right. And uh, Jimmy Fallon started to talk about the fact that there are all of these uh, Christmas songs that are big in the UK that don't get played um, in uh, in the States. And one of them was Cliff Richard's Mistletoe and Wine. And he even went as far as to want to perform a verse from it with Graham Norton. So there's like there's this movement now that uh, we're trying to get the UK popular Christmas songs to a, to a US audience. Either that or... Um, the Cliff Richards song has got a choir on it and um, Jimmy Fallon dressed up as a choir girl to sing it. And I was thinking, you already got done for blackface this year. I don't know if, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you can dress up as a choir girl, right. even at Christmas, Jimmy. So what you're saying, are you saying that these songs are cucumber syndrome? Like England needs to make something in America better? Or are you like, no, screw that. Those songs suck. We never need to hear them ever. I, I don't, um, I have no feelings on them either way. There's some that crossed over. I mean, there's some that you would know Last Christmas by Wham. Do right. they know it's Christmas by Band-Aid? Uh, you know, the Elton John and the John Lennon yep. ones. I think it all just depends on whether or not the artist was known in the States. So you've right. no idea who Cliff Richard is, right? No. And you've never heard of Slade. No. Hence their Christmas songs are not known in the States. But in the UK, everyone would have heard of those people. Makes sense. Yeah. Still don't think it's a green light for you to dress up as a choir girl, Jimmy Fallon. Just saying. So I shouldn't put on my choir girl costume? <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can vote for uh, the song of the day in those places. Um, now, I, um, I need a job. And um, we've been talking since we've been doing this podcast about the fact that uh, I've now, I used to have a radio career and now I've been reduced to doing a podcast around my kitchen table. But if you're a royal, apparently you can make 18 million from Spotify for a podcast because this is what Harry and Meghan have done. This is the couple who who have kind of kept some ties with the royal family in the UK, but also left the royal family in the UK because they couldn't stand the attention and they had to move to Los Angeles to lead a quiet life. That Yoko Ono bitch. <laughs> yeah, she's she's breaking up the Beatles. She literally is Yokoing the royal family. And, and pe- pe- when, when they got together, there were a lot of people that came out in support of Harry and Meghan and their so-called... Um, uh, leaving of the royal family and saying oh it's so terrible the way they get all the attention in the press and good for them for going to los angeles and wanting a quiet life and then they go away she's just hoping that she can play herself in the crown if that tv show gets to that point <laughs> right and in the meantime a podcast for 18 million that's crazy i mean at least now we have a goal i've always said <laughs> we are the harry and megan of the podcasting game <laughs> Oddly enough, for some reason, I think I'm Megan in this situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I bet she's, she's done well as well because I feel like no one knew who she was. She was an actress no. who had a, a role in Suits that, that, that was a show that not many people talked about. And if they did, they didn't talk about Megan. And she's, um, she's literally having her own fairy tale story. I feel like this is... Like the kind of fairy tale story my nieces would watch at Christmas, where someone who's not doing so great in their career, not that I'm anyone to talk, um, <laughs> I need to marry a prince. Right. Um, someone who's not doing so well in their career right. gets the prince, moves somewhere else, and has a happy life. Except that in the fairy tale that my nieces would watch, you wouldn't be Yoko Onoing the royal family at the same time. Don't put your nieces down for what they like to watch. You just described every Hallmark and Lifetime Christmas movie that you've been watching nonstop. You know, the, the busy go-getter goes to the country town, bumps into the guy. At first they hate each other, then they love each other, and then they live happily ever after in the calm quietness. Right. It's true. I um I, I actually texted someone this week about a job that was uh, that was potentially open, and my pitch to them was, "I need a job. Do you know how many Hallmark Christmas movies I've watched in the last week alone? <laughs> like that's my new. You know, well, I said like I'm sure other people are sending you audio of their radio shows and their resume. I could send you in depth reviews of at least 10 Hallmark TV movies. Give me a job to save me from this. See, I think that's why you're so interested in this story because, like, 
you you've said in the past like oh uh, i don't care about the royals as much as most americans do that's because and the americans love the royal family because you know it's like a disney movie right but you like harry and megan because they are clearly like a lifetime or a hallmark movie she came in you know he was the wild one he right. was the bachelor he was never gonna settle down every once in a while you'd hear a crazy tabloid by the way about if, the, if this is gonna be in the crown make sure that you include in the episode when he dresses as a nazi to go to a to a costume party exactly right? so stuff like that he's getting his cock out in vegas <laughs> right and now all of a sudden you know he's he's now prim and proper and out doing his own thing he doesn't need the royal family anymore this is literally a hallmark movie you're crying right now stop crying <laughs> I also like the idea that if it is, uh, if she is the Yoko Ono, she right, is right. That how about if their podcast is actually Harry is really good talking about things that people care about on the podcast, and then when they go to Megan's bits, it's just her going, <laughs> like the Yoko bits on John Lennon's yeah, albums. They're basically going to call their podcast "Instant Karma." <laughs> they're just going <laughs> to lean all into it. <laughs> So that's one bit of podcast news, right? 18 million for uh, Prince Harry going, today's episode is called The Time I Dressed as a Nazi. (laughs) And uh, I didn't see anything wrong in it. It was a costume party and I got a great deal on a shirt with a swastika. And then he basically goes into like that, tells that story. Uh, And now over to Megan for comment. See, this is good. We can talk about this now. Now that they're not a part of the royal family, we don't have to worry about getting diana for this. <laughs> yeah. I still think that um, the Queen was very upset that uh, Meghan was yokoing her family and said, uh, can we send her to the tower? And someone said, uh, no, Your Majesty, we don't send people to the tower anymore. What about the tunnel? <laughs> it's like, I, guess, the, I guess we'll settle for Los Angeles. Is, is the tunnel still available? Or would people be suspicious if I sent a second royal to the tunnel? So, uh, Wait, yeah. so how, much, how much was it that they made? Eight, so they've signed a deal with Spotify um, for 18 million. And this, again, they've, they've got their own Netflix show, which is, I don't know about them. The Netflix show is probably a makeover show where Megan just goes to Harry's wardrobe every day and goes, okay, I've told you, you've got to get rid of that Nazi outfit. I don't want you to be, you get, you, okay, first of all, we need the Nazi outfits inappropriate in 2020. Secondly, make sure that whatever you are wearing is keeping your cock covered. You can't, I, we're living in Los Angeles now I know it's only four hours up the road to go to Vegas but you can't keep on getting your dick out you need to learn you need to lose all that stuff you learned from Uncle Andrew (laughs) yeah unless unless someone says to Megan hey you know there's a lot of money in OnlyFans oh I've decided (laughs) Harry if we could make more than 18 million than we're getting from Spotify on OnlyFans then by all means get your penis out see I just wanted to know the figure so I could say that's chump change anyone looking to buy did you america in the future you will not get it for anything less than 20 <laughs> right yeah so 18 million from spotify the netflix show i don't know what it's about but it would be great if it was just like what i just described maybe, i would watch that maybe we should start being advisors to uh, harry and megan we could just take a percentage of i mean to be honest i take 1.8 million from spotify for this podcast never mind 18 million if bella thorne got a couple mil on OnlyFans, imagine how much we'd get from i like Markle. that now i've uh, introduced this you've moved off of spotify and netflix you're just about the OnlyFans page. Now I'm trying to see them today's. <laughs> and they got some other deal with Oprah for coffee. Anyway, so clearly a lie. They're not in LA for the quiet life. They're in LA for as much money as they can make. The other area where I think we're missing out with podcasts is... Uh, so I read about this uh, a couple of months ago that, that there's been this crazy theory that the um, CIA wrote the Scorpion song, Wind of Change, and gave it to the Scorpions. And it was basically propaganda for the new Soviet Union, right? Makes sense. Um, So it's a thing that you might have read about in Classic Rock magazine that someone then turned into a podcast. Okay. Now, as a concept, it strikes me that if you were a stand-up comic, someone like Jim Brewer could probably do a good 10 minutes on the idea that Wind of Change was written by the CIA, right? (laughs) right. And he'd make it very, very funny. Great. So then someone has turned it into an eight-part podcast. That, I thought, 
eight parts for, for, for this <laughs> conspiracy theory story. But now who's having the last laugh? Because that eight-part podcast is being turned into a Hulu show. That's crazy. I mean, like, that's quite impressive that they were able to get eight episodes out of this. We're only going to do about 10, 15 minutes on it. Right. And <laughs> not as funny as the 10, 15 minutes that Jim Brewer might do, no. right? But, but eight, the eight episodes and then a Hulu series. So what I was thinking was, well, is that any more ridiculous than our conspiracy theory that Mayor Adler of Austin, Texas leads this jet set uh, lifestyle where he's got private planes and is flying to Hawaii where he's funding his daughter's wedding because Mayor Adler of Austin, Texas has actually been stealing royalty checks from Stephen Adler, the original drummer of Guns N' Roses. I think that has got way more legs to be a conspiracy theory that could be turned into a Hulu show than this BS about the Scorpions and Wind of Change and being written by the CIA. Agree, not just legs, they have arms. A whole body. It's a whole body. We, you know, a I, whole body of work. Whoa, <laughs> I, uh, I like this. I like Did You America is, uh, we're branching out. We're going into the movie game now. Yes. Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max, line up. Only fans. Only, exclusive. <laughs> Pornhub. You might be in some shit right now. We're going to legitimize you. The director's uncut cut <laughs> on, on OnlyFans. Just because, isn't it Netflix that keeps on getting into trouble for they keep on making these dramas that have got people with their wangs out for no reason whatsoever? Really? I've not seen that. No, I read that. There was some story that they keep on putting on these shows that are, they're probably not that good. So they're just getting attention <laughs> because they've got, um, they've got scenes for no reason where people are just completely naked. Like, screw it. You hanged on. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I feel like, you know, I mean, I've got Duff McKagan's phone number. Not that I want to brag. Did you hear that name drop? Bloop. I've got Duff McKagan's phone number. I'm on pretty good terms <laughs> with Slash's management. We can make this happen. I once did a TV pilot for a show that got absolutely nowhere with Slash. He agreed to be in the pilot, which I'm very, very grateful for. It was quite some time ago. But I don't know if I could call in a second favor to go, hey, I've got this. Uh, we need to do a pitch for uh, something I've been talking about on my podcast for a Hulu show where, uh, you remember your original drummer that you, you kicked out because he had such a bad heroin problem and he couldn't keep time and uh, ended up having to get his mom to do a uh, cooking show on YouTube because it was the only way that he could earn money. Um, that happened, cooking with Mama Adler. Uh, <laughs> Slash is like, yeah? I'm like, well, it's a whole conspiracy theory that actually he'd be uh, leading the jet set lifestyle, but Mayor Adler from Austin, Texas has been taking his royalty checks. Not only that, he might be Mayor Adler from Austin. We haven't quite figured out the full story yet. I, I'm all for artistic license. Right. And it could be the first multi-platform, like at the end of, you know where they, um, it, when you're watching things on Hulu, they always go, do you want to go to the next episode? And it can, you know, in yeah, five yeah. seconds. You, get a, you can go to the next episode or for a premium fee, if you've got a password, you can click and go to OnlyFans and get the the naked scenes. Of course. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think that this would be asking a favor of Slash. I think he would hear this idea and jump all on, you know, pop off that top hat, hand out 10 million that he keeps in there, hand it over to us, and boom, we're starting a television show. That's right, people. He keeps his money in the hat. That's good. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. I still, look, the bottom line here is, is it any more ridiculous that there's a TV show made about the CIA writing the Scorpion's Wind of Change than the concept that there could be a TV show that Mayor Adler of Texas for 20, 30 years has been stealing royalty checks from Stephen Adler of Guns N' Roses. I would believe both. First of all, I mean, who's going to believe Wind of Change was written by the CIA? Rock you like a hurricane? Maybe. But uh, I think the CIA is going to rock out a little harder than that. But based off of Mayor Adler's uh, recent actions and what we know about drummer Adler in the past, mm, I think there's something fishy here. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, we are at didyouamerica.com or you can talk to me on uh, my socials. I'm at Ian Camfield on Twitter or Camfield off the radio on Instagram. Uh, talking of things that have got value that I never foresaw, I posted a, a picture this week of um, an old album um, from the 2000s called Metal Christmas. 
It's one of the worst albums you've ever heard. It was basically a bunch of old rock stars. Most of it, they were basically people that you wouldn't know the names of, but they used to be members of famous bands, right? right? So they were like the people that were in bands you've heard of, but before they got big. And they did <laughs> an album of, of, of Christmas covers, but in a metal style. And the cover is like a, a Hell's Angel on a Harley Davidson with a Santa hat on. Of course right? it is. Anyway, it came up on something that I was looking at, and I posted... Uh, a screenshot of the cover of Metal Christmas on my social media this week because it reminded me of my first ever professional radio gig was I was on an in-store radio station. For, there used to be a chain of record stores called Virgin Megastores, right? And in the UK, they had a radio station that used to broadcast from the main store in London and it would be, go out to all of the stores in the UK. So you'd be a DJ in there playing music. You know, the idea is people go into a record store, go through the, the racks, maybe hear something that they liked and buy. Oh, right? I want to buy that. Yeah, 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 that was it. And a lot of people, you know, that got onto professional radio would start at this uh, radio station. Anyway, so we would always promote like new music that was out and uh, one week Metal Christmas gets released and... Uh, I started playing songs from it and the boss immediately said, get that off. I'm banning that from this radio station. We do not need to hear White Christmas sung out of key by a member of Iron Maiden no one's ever heard of. I might be paraphrasing, but I remember. This is when the, the you know, the tellings off were a little bit more sedate. It was not like the New York story I told in part one. So anyway, the point is, is that um, I, I like this album. So what we used to do is we hid it in the roof of the studio, right? There were tiles that you could push up. Yeah. And basically it was hidden up there. And then when the boss wasn't in the store, we used to get it down from the roof and we play it on the Virgin Megastore's radio, as it was called. That's so crazy. You hid the records exactly where I used to hide my weed in high school. Yeah. I mean, who was cooler? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I I post this and tell this story on my social media. Someone sends a reply and says, hey, do you know how much this is um, going for on eBay at the moment? Nine hundred dollars. What? That, uh, that album. Was there like only three made? Well, they might have made ten and sold five. <laughs> they weren't <laughs> expecting a big sale. Like I just died. Uh, it's that's crazy. And you, do you still have it? Yeah, I've got a copy of it somewhere. Well, let's rock out. <laughs> we probably should. I think when I posted it on my socials, I uh, I put a, I put a song from it. So yeah, you never. Thanks to Captain Biscuit who communicated this, <laughs> because a bunch of people were going, "Oh my god, yeah, I I remember that album." Like a friend of mine who was a music journalist responded to it, and I said, uh, "Do you remember this album? You probably gave it a terrible review." And he goes, "Yes, I do, and yes, I did. It was absolutely atrocious." <laughs> but apparently, someone's trying to get nine hundred dollars plus postage for it on ebay at the moment so there's, there's like a big movement going on right now i feel like online where like stuff that shouldn't cost a dollar is going for like way too much money like you know like there's like a baseball card resurgence right now for some reason pokemon cards are actually being sold for big money i guess this is just like being added into that category people just spending money on stupid things i just think my barometer for value is way off harry and megan are getting 18 million to do a <laughs> spotify uh podcast the ridiculous idea that the scorpions cia uh, wind of change thing is being turned into a hulu show and someone thinks they're gonna get 900 dollars. i mean for all i know this person could have found that copy in the roof of the studio because right. that record store has been demolished and turned into something else. It could be from the roof. It's yeah. probably still got some dust on it from where it's been up there and they're selling it for $900. So clearly your next job won't be anything in economics. No. Okay. No. It'll stick to radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I'm trying to help you out. I just think we should keep on throwing out as many bizarre ideas as possible for areas that we could take this podcast to because there seems to be great value in just this rid ridiculous tour. The other thing I did this week was um, I've got this um, uh, regular annual thing where a, a friend of mine, uh, we used to always get together at Christmas and uh, when Starbucks brought out their holiday cups, we'd always have an eggnog latte together. But we both used to live in London. I've since moved to a proper country and he retired to Spain with his wife. So we now do it on uh, FaceTime, right? So we go to, uh, we'll both go to a Starbucks get the drink and then we're still having our first eggnog latte of the year together see classy it's, it's classy yeah. yeah except that i discovered this week that um he couldn't get an eggnog latte in spain they have starbucks in spain and they uh, also have the holiday drinks in spain 
but they won't sell an eggnog latte because it has so much sugar in it. It is more sugar than is legally allowed in a drink in Spain. <laughs> America. I, well, that's exactly right. Freedom, baby. Oh my God, that might crazy. be my, my most American update for today's <laughs> edition of Did You America? Because I'm a man of tradition. So when I when we came on the FaceTime and he said, uh, don't get angry, but I've gone for a toffee nut latte, I was... What? Did you hang up immediately and say, that's not the tradition? So then he called back and said, let me explain. Legally, they can't sell an eggnog latte in Spain because it's legally got that one drink. That's crazy. Has got two, has, it's got an illegal amount of sugar in it. So I need you, that drink. So you can't get it in Spain. It's just crazy. Is, uh, how long has he been in Spain? Uh, probably... Five, four, five years now. Okay, so you, you and you talk to him quite often. Well, no, no, as because I well remember I used to talk for a living, right? Um, we he and I text a lot. This is probably the only time we actually talk, talk. And when he talks, does he do that annoying Spain lisp thing? What's that? So, like in Spain, they they don't pronounce their s's. They talk in a lisp, and for some reason, even though that's like the Spanish accent. When people go to Spain and come back, they feel the need to do the accent themselves. Like, have you ever heard of someone like, like a perfect example, Ibiza? It's Ibiza. This is America. You don't need to say the TH. They only say the TH because that's their stupid accent. I actually think that, that so you say Ibiza. It's Ibiza. In America, it is Ibiza. It's not Ibiza. It's Ibiza. I feel like everyone else outside of america if they hear an american say ibiza they just go oh, stupid fucking america okay but that's the same thing with spain. you know in spain they don't call it spain they call it espana why don't you call it espana that's what they call it there you're getting more i just noticed your voice went I, more texan i when hate it <laughs> i i had a, i have i had a friend in college who went and studied abroad in spain and when they came back like um, they thought they were Spanish. And it's like, no, that's not a, that's not just something that like you do culturally. That's their accent. I don't leave hanging out with you and start like talking in a British accent. Do a, do a British accent. Offensive. How I, would you do that? I, I'd be like, oh, I, oh my God, bike down. I'd be like, oh, I cranky. I'm an English person. <laughs> like, <laughs> the reason why Jeremy knocked his microphone while doing an English impersonation is because I think he was becoming Dick Van Dyke's chimney sweep yeah. from, from Mary Poppins. You had to do the arm movement. No, as for if sure. That's a to, part of the English to, accent. You, you, you can't do an English accent without doing the song and dance from Mary Poppins <laughs> right. as a chimney sweep. Yes, I, that's how Americans do it. English accent. I'm saying you don't need to change something because you're outside of America. This is how we do it in America. That's how they do it in Spain. Right. I just, I was going to say, if your friend started talking in a lispy accent, it'd be even more reason than just the sugary drink, not having it to right. up on this him. Is, this episode should be called uh, Jeremy's 10 Reasons to Hate Spain. Yes. Right. Reason number two. <laughs> it's Ibiza. Yeah. It's not Ibiza. It's Ibiza. It's not Espana. It's not Espana. It's Spain. There's plenty more examples. Are there? Brazil. It's not Brazil. It's Brazil. Okay. Yeah. All right. That is all. That is my dissertation for today. Well, and you can't get an eggnog latte. Uh, you, you would think, blow up the country. You would think with their low levels of sugar, they could at least speak properly. Get all the soccer players that make millions out of there, whatever singers or dancers there are, get rid of the rest. Uh, before we go, uh, if we've upset any people from Spain, uh, let's just do a roundup on people that I've upset from Shitsville. Uh, actually, no, this is only one person from Shitsville. I think we've only got one person left listening in the UK because I call it Shitsville. Uh, but there were a few people that were communicating uh, since the previous episode because um, I suggested that love actually um, isn't actually that good. My point being that they lead you to believe that all of the stories intertwine and they do that by putting that last scene of the movie where most of the cast are coming back through the airport. But that's just so you go away thinking that all the stories collided when in actual fact, all that is the, the only common denominator between most of them is that they're all coming back into the airport at the same time. There is no clever connection was my point. You, you're just led to believe that there is because they bolted that scene on. 
And it's like they got through the movie with the intention of all of the stories coming together and thought, oh, shit, we can't figure out how to do this. Do you know what? Just have them all come back through Heathrow uh, arrival <laughs> gate at the same time. And stupid people will, will, will run with that. Put them, in, put them in the airport. It's better than that. It's either that or a jail. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. an airport's a happier ending <laughs> right, than, than yeah. in jail. They all get arrested. <laughs> right. Uh, Will wrote saying, right, Camfield, your talk of shitsville has already lost you 50% of your British listenership. Don't lose the other half. So, and I believe that he was, uh, he was inferring that I would lose the other half half because of the point that I made about Love Actually. Um, Mike wrote and said, I adore Love Actually. It's heartwarming, funny and schmaltzy. The airport scene shows the stories are interconnected. Chart attached. Yeah, you sent me that chart and uh, it was a lie. Okay, first of all, Mike, heartwarming, funny and schmaltzy. Yes, it ticks all of those boxes. Secondly, a turn your brain off kind of feel good Christmas movie. Yes, I get that. But the airport scene does not show that all the stories are connected. They just put that on at the end to make it seem like that because those people happen to be coming through the airport at the same time. So I analyzed his chart, which is very, very complicated, and it's yeah. got loads of lines uh, through it. So there are ways in which the characters are connected. In a lot of cases, it's because of members of family with who's married to who and this person's the sister. It was a lot of brother. like six degrees of separation type stuff. But also, it's kind of like a family tree, except that there were certain blocks of people that didn't have any connections to the other people except that they arrived at the airport at the same time. So it goes back to my point. I'm right. I, right. Don't, I don't disagree that it's a feel-good movie, Mike, and you can go, okay, just accept it and enjoy it. Yes, you can. But they try and fool you by making you think that there's some sort of clever connection, which I think was their intention. But because it's a British movie and Brits are inherently fucking lazy, they just gave up. Yeah, but Mike, uh, quit being such a sheep get out of England where they just allow people to be connected through airports, apparently. I think that uh, Mike actually might be an American, in uh, which case he should know better. <laughs> in which case he should know better. In which case you need to leave and go to England and get edumacated on why America is better and that love actually isn't all that great of a movie. Mike, how do you say Ibiza? <laughs> um, I bet with a Z. Chad, uh, Chad wrote um, regarding your point that the Ricky Gervais uh, Gary Shandling interview was one of the most entertaining interviews ever because yes. it's so uncomfortable. Chad's theory is: was it all part of Gary Shandling's comedic front? Because his whole his whole persona, um, you know, before he passed away, was that he liked to do things that were uncomfortably funny, as in the the Larry Sanders show. So was that? Um, that interview with Ricky Gervais, you know, art house. I, I've heard that theory floated around mainly by Ricky Gervais, but they, uh, I think there's definitely a possibility of that. It does match a lot of Gary Shanley's comedy, but as a fellow neurotic Jew, I can tell you he was just annoyed by Ricky Gervais's presence on that day. All right. So Ricky Gervais has uh, put around the theory that it was uh, uncomfortably funny just to make himself feel better. I think he said that in like the Gary Shandling documentary that they did. I don't know. I could be totally wrong. On right, that. right, right. I but, probably am. But it I'm was, sorry, it was like Gervais. it was his excuse to make him feel better about right. the fact that his comedic <laughs> hero really didn't want him in his own house. It ended his show after two episodes. There were no more episodes of that show. I think it ended with that. Everyone was like, "Well, that was awkward. He can't interview these people." Yeah, you might be right. I, I mean, he does have a history. Apart from this latest thing, Afterlife, which he's done, um, which he's doing a third season of, which is great. Yeah. I really like Ricky Gervais. I won't throw that out. No, there. no, no. I like Ricky and I know Ricky. In fact, right. Ricky and I were on Twitter this week. We do this every so often. Someone who message, will message us because we used to do radio shows together in Shitsville about something that we did like 15 years ago on a yeah. radio show that neither of us remember. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it always becomes a Twitter chat about fake heavy metal band names because it was a feature that we did once <laughs> and we invented bands called things like Brain Hammer. And he came up I'd with he, he came up with Deflehem. Um, <laughs> That's great. And, uh, and and so we'll get together on Twitter and start corresponding with ideas for new heavy metal bands and what their songs could be called. 
Um, in fact, let me have a look. Come up with something entertaining while I check my Twitter. Um, for, so uh, while he's checking his Twitter, there's a new. <laughs> they, we've invented a new band with a great new song title. Hang on, I need to look at this. Yeah, just uh, while you search, I'll say. You know, I don't. It's not just Ricky Gervais. Like, who's uh, who's his partner? That Stephen Merchant. Merchant. He's also a really fine dude. So I don't. I don't hate all British people. I want to throw that out. Right. There. Are you suggesting that if Stephen Merchant went to Gary Shandling's house, he would have been more welcome? It would have been at least a little bit less uncomfortable, but in a completely different way. Like, did you ever see the the show he did on HBO? Hello, ladies. Uh, no, I know it was what just, it was. It was just nothing but him being the most awkward human person, human being ever on earth. But like at the same time, trying to come off as like cool. Right. I feel like that in comparison with Gary Shandling would have made for a lethal. Comment. I wasn't listening to anything you I just know, said. Wasn't but important. yes, I found my I found my <laughs> my Twitter exchange. Um. So yeah, we were going through Brainhammer, Deflahem, circa I don't know what it was, two thousand and five. We were doing this on the radio. Uh, Ricky says, um, I thought of a good band name today for metal. The band's called Sepsis, and the new single is Hemoglobal. <laughs> and um, so I said, um, I like Sepsis as a band name. They're like Cancer, who were an actual metal band, but not as heavy. <laughs> yeah? That's good, that's right? good. And so he came back with, um, yeah, they've got a ballad. This is the band um, Sepsis. They've got a ballad called Satan's Rose, right? It's beautiful. I know. And so I replied with, the full title is Satan's Rose in brackets, my prick will make you bleed. <laughs> Accurate. Now, it maybe if I'd have gone to Gary Shandling's house with Ricky Gervais and we'd have done our double acts of like the new We're band called Sepsis, not as heavy as cancer, my prick will make you bleed. You know, uh, Gary Shandling might have been like, my God, let's all do a show together. I can tell you this much, you'd still be on air if that happened. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Oh, we would have sold that show to Netflix. Exactly. And, and, then, and then I wouldn't have needed a radio job anyway. And Gary Shanley would still be alive. You killed Gary Shanley. That is a good uh, way to finish today's episode. Do you think we upset enough people today? I know I did. Yeah, okay. Uh, Didyouamerica.com is the place to go to for everything relating to this show. Uh, buy a t-shirt. Um... Spotify, Netflix, Hulu, we're available. We're very much for sale for any of the ideas that we floated during today's show. Our OnlyFans account will be up and running soon. Yes, that is an idea that we need to we need to branch into. I'm telling you, if someone went to Meghan Markle and said that there was a lot of money in Prince Harry having an OnlyFans account, she would be okay. No more, no more Nazi outfit, but you can go back to getting your dick out. We'll be starting our dick pics for poor pricks initiative here very soon. Didyouamerica.com for all of that. Oh, and by the way, we're going to do, uh, I know like the real world's closing down for Christmas now. We're going to have a few days off, but we will do another episode uh, this coming Monday. So there'll be one episode next week. Okay. Check in for that. 